Hi, my name is Nicole Renee Ballard, also known as Variety Chenever. And I am the daughter of Florence Ballard from the Primates and the Supremes. My story is, no one believes that I'm the real daughter of Florence Ballard. So I'm here to make my podcast today to tell you that I am. I was born December the 17th, 1967, at Ziegler Hospital in Detroit, Michigan, on a Sunday at 1 a.m. in the morning. I am a twin of Michelle, Ballard as well. I was born 4 pounds and 13 ounces. But today, since my mother's death, no one says that I am the real Nicole. Everyone is saying that my cousin, Nicole Chapman, is the real Nicole. Why? Because some time ago in the 1980s, there was a dedication to my mother in Detroit. I went to that dedication, and it brought back memories of her being alive. And I decided that it made me so sad on the inside that I didn't want to appear in any more appearances in person. So we decided to have Maxine's daughter, Nicole, to take my place. And ever since then, she's been making all the public appearances and have been dis- But no one ever thought that everyone would automatically say, I'm the Florence daughter. I guess that came out to be a big mistake on my part. And I should have just continued on being public. But I am the real Nicole. I am the real Nicole who also grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I was raised by one of my mother's sisters, Patricia, who is also known as Marlene. I grew up also on 13530 Pinehurst with a lot of my relatives, such as Diane, Richard, Marlene, Kevin, Karen, Helen, and a whole lot of other relatives that used to come to the house very often for family reunions, such as Hank Ballard, Gary Madison Sr., who was also known as um, Charlie Brown from Columbus, Ohio. Many of our family members came from Columbus, Ohio, and also Lillian Williams and a whole lot of other cousins and relatives. Now that I am at the age of 51 years old, I've been deciding to speak out a lot more and make more appearances live, in person, commercials, and different people always want me to sing. And I have to sing at the spirit of the moment, even if I don't know the lyrics of many songs. But now today, I just wanted to say that there are some differences that I've been trying to solve in the media that everyone's been saying they don't want me to talk about or they just want to try to put a block up and prevent me from speaking. So I decided I wanted to speak anyway. I have cousins who are still alive who can still say that I am the real Nicole, such as my cousin Charles Stephen Jackson, who was from the Brotherly Love singing group. 
I am very happy that a lot of people know that I am still Nicole's, I mean, Florence Ballard's daughter as Nicole, such as Abraham Miller from the um, singing group LTD with Jeffrey Osborne, who remembers me when I was growing up as a child. I used to see him often as well. In 1995, there was a television news brief on supposedly a Nicole Chapman Ballard who became homeless with my sister Michelle. In Detroit, Michigan, they became evicted out of a home. I decided to start speaking out because I feel it's a defamation to my character because in 1995, I was not living in Detroit, Michigan. I was living in Los Angeles, California. In Los Angeles, California, I was attending UCLA Extension Film School. And during that time, my first two films were getting ready to go into production. But actually, the first film was being released, which is Set It Off. I am the original creator of Set It Off, and that is my first film. I started film school in 1993, no, in 1994 at UCLA. My first film for my uh, class project, Set It Off, was being released in 1995. So the timing of being in Detroit, Michigan, and being evicted in 1995, it's not me. It's not true. So I wanted to clear up these stories that that is not me. In 1996, my second film came out, which is Booty Call, and I am also the original creator of Booty Call. A lot of things that have been in the media with other Nicole such on welfare, even in the year of 2010. That's not true either. In the year of 2010, I was living in Las Vegas, Nevada, in Summerlin, Nevada, a very well-known resorted area in the suburbs. It's a very beautiful area with nice lakes surroundings. So, there are a lot of things that I wanted to clear up. And also, in the year of 1993, was the year that I left to come live in Los Angeles, California, with my daughter, Kristen. We lived with Diana Ross for briefly two weeks, and then I moved into my own home. I don't understand why is it so hard for people to understand that that is not the real Nicole in Detroit, but I can understand one thing, because she's been in the media so many times with Mary Wilson that they decided to just keep it the way that it was. But I am speaking out to let the world know that I am my mother's daughter. I remember everything about my childhood. I remember taking photographs. I remember taking pictures, such as the photo shoot for the Jet magazine. That photo shoot was done at 13530 Pinehurst in Detroit, Michigan. My mother came to the house that morning and her sister said, your mom is going to come and you guys are going to take a photo shoot. 
But the day before that, she said, your mom is coming tomorrow. And you all are going to take a photo shoot tomorrow. And we want to do your hair. The day before, we had our hair done. And I remember like it was crazy. It was a French perm put into my hair that burnt my hair so, my scalp so bad that I screamed, please take this out of my head. Please take this out of my head. And there was, the perm was so very hot that they had to wash it out of my hair. And then also, my tooth was loose that night before. And my cousin tied a shoestring. No, she tied a piece of thread. My cousin Cece tied a piece of thread to my tooth put it onto the doorknob and snatched it up out of my tooth by slamming the door shut. That's why my bottom tooth was missing in the photograph. And also the earrings that I was wearing were hoop earrings, but they call them self-pierced earrings. Those were self-piercing earrings that I was wearing, but they were pinching my ears and they were supposed to pierce my ears on their own. I don't really think they pierced my ears at all, really. And also, sometime later on during that photo shoot, you see a photo of my grandmother, Laura Lee Ballard, and my mother, Florence, and my sister, Michelle, were all sitting together reading the encyclopedia that we received for Christmas. It was the Proctana Encyclopedia um, set, and we were reading one of the books. And also, I wanted to say in that photograph that in that picture, you see my sister Michelle holding a toy handle. That toy handle is an old play school popcorn popper that she has in her hand. It's a toy that you push and these colored balls go up in the air with a clear dome on it. And that is the toy that she is playing. And then in another photograph, you have me sitting next to Michelle, and she has something in her hand. She's playing with the Rubik's Cube, another toy that we received for Christmas that year. We received a lot of toys that year. We received the Rubik's Cubes, the Slinkies, Yo-Yos that light it up, and we also received the Baby Alive, Baby Doll, and the Hungry Hippo Games, and Doll Houses, Blocks, Tyco Sets, Family Feud Games, and a lot more. Watches, toy radios, well, they were real radios, and radios, which is something that my cousins Kevin and Karen also got, and we all had the same type of watches and different colors as well. I strongly feel if I wasn't the real Nicole, then why do I remember all of these things? Because I do. I was sitting down in front because the photographer, Lewis Sutton, asked my mother, which one is the oldest? And she said, she is. Rosalind. Nicole. So he said, well, sit down in front. And that's the reason why I'm sitting down in front. My mother told me the reason that we're going to take this photo shoot today is because I don't want the world to forget what my children look like. 
I don't want the world to forget what my children's face look like. Whether I'm on welfare or not, I don't care. I didn't even know what welfare was. I didn't even know it was bad to be on welfare. I didn't even know where our money was coming from. I really didn't even know we was going through anything. Simply because I was a child. I was always a happy child. And I was always over everyone's house visiting. So it really didn't make a difference to me. But there was a time that I did have a cousin that did say that y'all are going to lose your house. And I really didn't understand that. But my mother explained it to us. She took us back to the house and she said, we're not going to be able to live here anymore. And I said to my mother, Mom, we're still a family. And I told her, well, I can sing like Michael Jackson. You can get me out there and I'll start singing like Michael Jackson. Mom, please, please, please let me sing like Michael Jackson. Let me get up there on stage and sing and dance. I can do it. I can do it. And my mother said, no, I'm the mother. I'm supposed to take care of you. So I said, okay. And then I told my mother, Mom, you can have my piggy bank. We had three piggy banks, all her daughters. We had three piggy banks in pink, yellow, and blue. And they all stood about three to four foot tall, feet tall. It was a lot of money in all those piggy banks. You couldn't even lift any of them up off the floor. They were so heavy, full of money with dollar bills and nickels and coins and 50 cent pieces. So my mother said, okay. I looked at it like, well, my mother put the money in the bank anyway. So to me, in my eyes, it was still her money too. So mom took all three of those piggy banks and we got a new home again. And she was so proud. She came over with my father to the house the next day and say, our daughter offered her piggy bank for us to get a new home to live in. And she said, my father said, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. That was so unselfish of you to do, to want to help your family out and to help us get a new place. I said, well, we're still a family. It didn't bother me. So we got a new home again. How much it costs, I don't know. All I know is that we were able to start over again. The one thing that I do remember is that my mother, she was in the living room on the floor. But the night before, we had family members over, people that came over. And actually, this was the house that we just got, the house that was able to be paid for with those piggy banks. I remember my mother's realtor. My mother's realtor became a good friend or was a good friend of hers, and her name was Yvonne Wesley. Yvonne Wesley was my mother's real estate agent who helped us get into our new home. And she had a son named Darcy, and she also had a son, um, what's his name? I think it's Abraham or something like that. Alonzo, that was her husband's name. Her name, his name was Alonzo, and he was a police officer. 
We used to go over their home all the time. We became good friends, too. And we stayed over their house quite a bit. I remember when we went to go see a home because it was a nice house. And when you open up the door, there was this hallway. And then you had to slot for your mail. It was a beautiful home. It was big. It was spacious. We had a nice large bathroom upstairs, a backyard. It was beautiful. The backyard had a play set for kids to swing on and everything. My mom, even though she was on welfare, she gave us the best. But she wasn't on welfare directly after she left Motown. That took a couple years at least before she became on welfare. But I would like to state about her being on welfare. Before that even took place, we had a cousin named Diane Scott. Diane Scott was a cousin who went to go apply for welfare herself as a single person because back then welfare was something that just came about. She went to go apply for welfare and when she went down there, they offered her a job. They offered her a job as a social worker. She went and did the classes and then she came back and told my mother, Florence, they're hiring at the welfare office. They have jobs there. Why don't you go check it out? She went down there to the welfare office to go apply for the job, not to get on welfare. And that's something that was put in the newspapers because she had a sister named Gladys who always gave her a hard time and gave her problems and Gladys was married to a journalist. She had a husband that was a journalist and when she came back she said, oh, where have you been? And my mother said, I went down to the social services. Oh, you want to go apply for welfare? Oh, I'm going to go put this in a newspaper. So she put in the newspaper that my mother applied for welfare, but that's not true. She actually went down there to apply for a job. And I think it was something that she was tricked by the family to go down there and apply for a job. So it looked like that she was really on welfare. And then we ran into one of her sisters who was beat up by her husband and she had black eyes and she was wearing a hat over her head. And I said, Mom, isn't that Auntie over there? And she said, where? I said, right there. And we went over to her aunt, over to her sister, And she said, you don't even recognize me. Because she was beat up. She looked really bad. And she was wearing sunglasses. A lot of the women in the family had some bad relationships, I must say. There are very beautiful women in our family. But for some reason, they all seem to have some bad relationships. My Aunt Didi, who was Deidre Jenkins also... Jenkins is my grandmother's maiden name. And so she was married to James Brown. She has some troubles too. I used to spend time also with Tina Turner and Ike Turner at their home quite a bit as well. And we used to go there all the time when we used to visit them. 
they lived in California. And I remember we went before there was fighting, just like the fight that they had in the movie. We were present there when they had that fight there. And I remember that place because it was always a lot of people, partying, loud music. But it was fun because the kids were there too. And we used to have a good time. But the good times didn't seem so well until Ike started getting mad. And then Aunt Tina, well, as you know, she was abused pretty bad. And we were there when there was loudness and fighting and things like that. But I do remember one morning when we were overnight, we spent the night there. And it was early in the morning, probably about 7 a.m. All of a sudden, you could hear this loud amp and guitar playing. Then he started playing, rolling, rolling. He started playing the song. It woke you up. It was just so loud. That was just like the morning alarm clock. But I remember one time when Ike hit Tina and Abraham ran upstairs. He ran, no, he ran downstairs from his bedroom. He came in with his gun and he said, man, you put your hand on my sister. He was ready to pull the trigger. And Uncle James, he said, put the gun down, Abraham. Put the gun down. He said, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. No, you don't put his hands on my sister. And he said, put the gun down, Abraham, give me the gun. And he was so angry. So he put, gave him the gun, and Uncle James took the gun from him. But when they got ready to leave and travel, Abraham punched him in the face and started beating him up in the, in the driveway. They started fighting because he meant... Don't put your hands on my sister. There are a lot of things that went on being around different relatives that were in the industry. It was really just, it was good times. But like I said before, there were some bad times too. I remember when the Jacksons were there too and we used to stay with Diana Ross. And I remember she said, the boys are coming. The boys are coming tonight. And I said, yay, yay, yay. And I jump up and down, be waiting for them. And then their van finally pulled up. And then you hear all their footsteps coming up the stairs to her apartment. And Joseph would come upstairs. And then he'll say, hey, yeah, the kids are here. This and that. I'm going to go stay at my place. And Joe would go stay someplace else. He wasn't staying where we were staying at or where the boys were staying at. He stayed someplace else. And he came back in the morning to get them. And also, where Diana stayed at, you can hear all the music and everything that was going on with Motown. Music all day, all night. There was always some music going on. Those are really some good times back then. And I miss those good old days. I miss the good old days with all of our friends and family members that used to come to our family reunions at 13530 Pinehurst, which is Helen Scott's house. 
it was just some good old times back then. We had barbecue. Everyone would stay for a good two weeks for those family reunions back then, just so everyone would have enough time to get there and be a part of the family festivities. We also had a farm that we used to go to when we were young. We used to ride ponies and everything. And my grandfather owned the farm. And we used to have a lot of fun back then. We had fun riding. All the family members used to gather together. We used to have long drives all the way back out to where the farm was located. I don't know what part of Michigan the farm was located at or if it was in Ohio. All I know is that we had a lot of fun going to those farm, to that farm. Even Didi and her children used to come to the farm and ride on the ponies like Yama and her sister. My grandparents also owned the um, Mayflower Trucking Company in Detroit, Michigan. They owned that trucking company as well. And we used to always see our grandfather around town, moving people around in their furniture and everything in the trucking company all the time. That was something he used to do to make money. What I was very impressed with with my grandparents was that they said that, you know, the family was living in the projects. But, you know, back then, I don't think those projects were so bad because one thing I can say is, is that my grandparents had five apartments that they rented out because they had 15 children. So I figured if you tell me someone had five apartments in one building, they must have had some kind of money back then in order to have five apartments and have a Mayflower trucking company. Later on in the years, the family also owned one of the landmarks in San Diego, which is the um, a hotel over in San Diego called the Howard Johnsons. And we have Johnsons in our family. So part of the family owned the Howard Johnsons in San Diego, California, which is near Searwell World. And sometime in the 1980s, that hotel was supposed to be sold to Holiday Inn. But it was never sold to Holiday Inn, I guess, because it's still there, that same hotel. I know that my grandmother was supposed to be at that time, um, was going through something with marriage. And whatever happened with that is that my grandfather and her split their royalties together or their profits and she kept hers and he kept his and I think it was because they had to talk about their shares of the hotel because the Holiday Inn at that time wanted to buy the hotel from us I remember being at the hotel quite a bit because my cousin Karen Scott we used to always go there to that hotel and we would get all of the chips and soda that we could get out of the vending machines for free. We was up and down all the time, staying at different hotel rooms because we owned the hotels and we felt very grateful to be able to have the privilege of being a part of such 
a great hotel and being able to go into those vending machines. <laughs> I don't know how we did it without money. I can't remember if we actually had a key to it and some kind of way we were able to open it up. But my but my grandmother told us how to open it up. I think we opened it up from the side somehow. And we used to go in there and get it. And she had to refill it up for the customers, of course. We really did have some good times. We had a lot of different cars that were driven. We had um, convertible Mustangs, Impellas. Uh, my mother had the Seville which was the first car in Detroit. She was the first person that ever had the Seville, which is a navy blue Seville that she had. She also had a copper color LTD. There were just so many cars that we had. Um, my grandmother had the Toriano. That was a red car. It was really nice. We had a lot of nice cars and everything. Even though they said that the family lived in the projects, the one thing that I can say about the family is that they had clean homes and they dressed nice. When people talk about people living in the projects, you would think immediately that they're poor people, nasty people, and they don't keep a clean house. But not our family. We had white fun in our home. And I was told one time by my grandmother, she said, the reason why I have this white sofa is because when white folks come to your house, it removes the stigma that black folks are nasty. So when they come to your home and they see how clean your home is and you got white furniture and it's pure white and it's still white and it's not dirty, then it takes away all the stigma of what they think about black folks. And it did. And even I, over the years, had white furniture in my home. And I always made sure that my house stayed clean. And I had a white sofa, and that was kept clean too. Even if you have children. You just have to train your children to keep your home clean and to have good manners. And that is what our parents did and grandparents did. We had a lot of great cooks in the family as well, too. My father, Lawrence David Jones, who was also named as Tommy Chapman. He also was playing with James Brown with my Uncle Bert and my Uncle Johnny. They used to play backup for him, instruments for him back in the day. And I remember when they quit the group as well. When they quit the group as well, it wasn't a good. Uh, it wasn't a good ending. They just said James ain't paying us, <laughs> and my dad came in like we ain't playing with him no more. This is it. We've had it, and they walked out just like they did in the movie. But there were still some good times. James Brown's son Teddy used to always come over to the house and play with us. We used to all play together over my father's mother's house, which is my grandmother, Margaret Jones. We had some good times back then with her, too. All the soul food cooking you can get. 
all the holidays. But actually, Grandma's soul cooking was like every day and like every holiday. Every day was really like a holiday at her house. It was just great to have all the family there at one time. Um, My cousins, my sisters, everyone. The one thing that I miss about 6435 Belfast, and that's where my daddy's mama lived at, is that Uncle Johnny. Our Uncle Johnny used to come downstairs every morning and put on his favorite song. Let's get it on. He loved Let's Get It On and his alligator beer. And Uncle Johnny, he was one of those uncles who would be slobbing at the mouth and give you a slobby kiss. He'd be like, give Uncle Johnny a kiss and give me some sugar. And he would kiss all his nieces. We'd be like, oh, Uncle Johnny. Your kisses are wet, Uncle Johnny. And he still be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But we love Uncle Johnny anyway. And he'd be like, dee, 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 dee. I've been trying, trying baby. <laughs> he would play that song over and over and over and over again. Let's get it on. When I say over again, I mean that needle back then stayed on that. Let's get it on song all day. Until my Aunt Carmen came downstairs and she wanted to play what? The Jackson Five. She would play the Jackson 5 as well, over and over again. A, B, C, as easy as one, two, three. (laughs) We used to have fun, man. Just everyone always seemed to have their own favorite song. And my grandparents, Margaret and Robert Jones, they used to dance to, you got it, Mrs. Jones. They used to sit there in the middle of the floor and slow dance together. And the whole family would just be in awe watching them dance together and slow dance together. And it was just so romantic. It just let you know what black love was all about. Just true love. It was just so beautiful to see them dance. I miss those days. And there's my Aunt Barbara. Mom Barbara, she was something else. Aunt Barbara is just one of the most beautiful women you will ever meet. She's dark skinned, beautiful, cocoa brown, beautiful, dark brown, or black hair. She was like our, like our princess, like our little queen. And she always had the dog, Peppy. Peppy was one of our pets that we had. She was a poodle, and she would always be in our bar's arms. She was a white, beautiful poodle, and she would walk around with her. My Aunt Barbara, she would hold that poodle like she was a queen. (laughs) And she talked so well, too. Aunt Barbara had the most beautiful voice. 
well not had still does she's still alive and her voice is hello darling how are you I was like oh my god I'm Barb I'm Barb I'm Barb I used to tell Aunt Barbara all the time that she should become a singer. Not a singer, but on the radio. Be on the radio and talk on the radio because Aunt Barbara's voice is just so beautiful. And it was just cool just to hear her talk. And Aunt Barbara, she was she's the kind of person her voice is so beautiful and smooth that she'll cuss you out and it just say, oh my God, she just cussed you out so smooth. <laughs> That's Aunt Barbara. She'll say something like, I don't believe this shit. <laughs> I don't believe they did this or did that. This person did this and that. Hell, his ass need to go some damn where with this damn shit. <laughs> Aunt Barbara had a smooth voice like Diana Ross. And I don't know if people really know of Diana Ross. It's my mama's first cousin. They was always known as just friends in the media. But really behind closed doors, they're family. Everyone in the family, I can just say, they're really beautiful people, intelligent people. All the men, tall, good-looking, dark-skinned brothers, medium height. All the men in the family were just very handsome men, just smooth themselves. I just decided to just give you a little briefing on our, on our family. I did this on YouTube, and do you know I was being bashed for that? People were saying, oh, my God, she crazy. She got problems. But yet it was okay to be on television about being on welfare? You mean I couldn't say anything good about my own relatives? Why did I have to get bashed for saying something good about my own people? It's sad. And the one thing that I do want to say is, is that when we did that photo shoot for Jet Magazine, here comes my mother, Sister Maxine. What did she do as soon as we walked out the house? She said, rags to riches. Riches back to rags. I'm glad she's on the bottom like the rest of us. Can you believe she would say something like that? Your own damn sister saying she glad she's back on the bottom like the rest of us. That is so mean for her to say something like that. But she meant it. I didn't know that people didn't really feel good about my mother's success. But a lot of people that we thought were happy for her wasn't. And I really did hear comments being made like, I hate watching her on television. I hate seeing her on TV. So, I felt that maybe people just talk Barry into making my mother not be a part of the group anymore because they were really jealous of her. That's how I felt. And I felt bad about that. They were not only jealous about her, but about her kids. 
I remember going through things when I was young and, you know, we really thought people were really there for us, but it turned out it really wasn't like that. Not at all. I remember, just like I said, putting that hot perm in my head, that hot French perm in my head. They knew it was too, I was too young to have it. I was only about five or six. But as you can see on the photograph, the after effect of all that, my hair did look good, especially when they put in that blue uh, Afro sheen grease in it. Everyone was using the blue Afro sheen grease back then. Afro sheen and hair food, which was yellow or orange or hemp uh, grease. Those are the type of things that they used to put in our hair back then. We didn't have bad hair. It's just that I guess for some reason people just wanted to torture me. At least that's what I felt. There was a time where we had a birthday party. And then they said, pin the tail on a donkey. And when they started put the blindfold on me, they turned me around and around and around and around. And then they kept saying, pin the tail on the donkey, pin the tail on the donkey. And it was like it was starting to sound degrading after a while. So I took the blindfold off. I said, what? Why are you saying it like that? And then one of the cousins said something. I can't quite remember what she said. And I said to her, I thought she was one of us. And she looked at me like, huh? I was like, yeah, I thought you were one of us. I thought you was an Indian like we are. How can you make fun of me if you're the same thing? So at that moment, I felt you must not be one of us then. If you're making fun of me. I was a real smart aleck. A lot of people would tell you I would speak my mind. I was a Sagittarius baby. I would speak my mind and tell you exactly how I felt. One time I told a woman that was getting married to a relative. What did I call her? A heifer. I don't know why I called her a heifer, but I did. Can't remember why. But whatever it was, she must have did something. But I wasn't always bad. I was pretty good most of the time. Everyone always said that I was well behaved. And I was. There's a lot of photographs in the media as well when I was a child. I was with Diana Ross quite a bit. And people took a lot of pictures of me in the media when I was with Diana Ross. Michelle wasn't with me as often because she was always with Mama or Daddy. And Diana kept me quite a bit because Mama was working or they said Mama was going through something. But you know what? I don't remember my mother going through anything, really. I guess you can just say that she kept it to herself. She never let me see her cry. She never let me see her break down. I never knew she was going through any of those things. But what I did ask her one time was, when she used to leave the house at night, I used to say, Mama, where are you going? 
Where you going tonight? And she'll say, I'm going to the bar. Or one time she told me she was a dancer. I said, you a dancer? She said, yeah, I'm a dancer. I know that the movie Frankie and Alice was made for my mother. It was about my mother and her depression and her hard times of what she went through after she left the Supremes. No one knows that Frankie and Alice was really about Florence Ballard. But you know, my mother wasn't the only person in the family that had some issues. She had some sisters that had some issues and some cousins that had some issues and she had an aunt that had some issues. But I didn't understand why any of them had any of those issues at all whatsoever. And Diana or Patricia, they had issues too. The one thing that I know is that my mom, she kept us clean. She kept us our house clean. She kept us dressed nice. And usually a person that's on welfare, that's depressed, that have kids, that have problems, they're not that stable. So that's why I always tell people, my mother to me was a very normal person. Because you know why? She never took anything out on her kids. My mother never whipped us not one time in our life. She never hit us. She never yelled at us. She never grabbed us and shook us or nothing. She never blamed us for anything that was going on. She never said it was your fault. She never said, because of you, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for you, this and that. She never did any of those things to her kids. Never, ever, ever. She always showed us unconditional love regardless. And a lot of people, some kids get abused when their parents are sick or drinking and all those things they said about my mother supposed to be popping medication and and drinking and all this stuff my mother never ever showed any signs of a drunk whatsoever and uh, other people their children man they say we went without clothes food a lot of and I know there are relatives who had a mother who wouldn't get up out of bed because their mother did drugs. And I remember Gail or Gwen or Gladys, one of them had a drug problem. And she had a heroin problem. I remember one time she fell over and she was foaming at the mouth. She passed out. They had to take her to the hospital. I remember one Christmas, her children woke up for Christmas and she didn't even put any gifts underneath the Christmas tree because she was so drunk the night before, she went to sleep on the sofa and forgot all about it. Her kids woke up and said, Santa Claus didn't even come to our house. Why? And they started crying. Why, Mama? Why Santa Claus didn't come to our house? And she said, Oh, y'all go back to bed. Santa Claus will be here later on. He'll come a little later on. He'll come... Y'all going back to bed. And she had her kids go back to bed, and then she finally put their gifts out after she was woke up by her children that Santa Claus didn't come to their house. 
Some of the family members were Jehovah Witnesses. Like Maxine was a Jehovah Witness. I don't remember my mother being any of those things. In fact, I don't think mom ever took me to church. I don't remember going to church with her, but I went to church with other family members. I went to the Masonic Temple Church. It was a good church, though. They used to have fun and have good music playing and everything. I remember always having a good time. And then whenever I used to stay at one of my mom's sister's house, Patricia, I used to take myself to church and go on my own with one of her daughters, which is Nichelle with an N, N-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. I remember going to church with her all the time on my own. It was a church around the corner, not too far from where I was staying at, at the house at 16535 Schaefer Road, which is the cross street of Florence. We used to stay in a little bungalow in the back. It was a nice little bungalow. It was a two-bedroom bungalow. And she also stayed there with her old man, her white husband, who was a journalist, who actually interviewed my mother on one of her interviews. And what's his name? Peter Benjaminson. I remember one time I left the house and came back, and they were in bed together. I used to always leave and come back and he'd be in bed with her all the time. Patricia looked like Diana Ross as well. They look almost like twin sisters. So, you know, like I said, I used to go to church. And when I would go to church and come back, before I leave, she would say, bring me a plate. When you come back of food. Because, you know, when you go to church back then, you know, you didn't have to pay for the, for the food for the churches back then. Like you do at some churches like West Angeles, they make you pay for the food now. Like $15, $20 for a plate of food. Well, I went to church, and before I leave, Patricia would say, bring me a plate of food when you get back. Make sure you bring me some food. And I would have to go up there and feel a little bit embarrassed because her ass wouldn't even come to church with me. So, what, don't you want to go with me? No, that's all right. Uh-uh, I want to go. So, I would go to church, and I would ask when we go eat after the service, can I take a plate of food back for my mother? I used to say it was for my mother or somebody. Or Rose, it's okay. Or my auntie, it's okay, baby. You can bring them. She said, why don't you invite her next time to come? I said, I will. But, you know, she working or something I would have to come up with. So I would bring her a plate of food with mashed potatoes or potato salad and macaroni and cheese. It will be really just like Thanksgiving with all the things that you would eat at Thanksgiving. And I'll bring her a plate of food. I'm walking back from church. Black folks. Some of them would be so classy and some of them could be so damn ghetto. And she was one of them. Then we had an auntie. It was still Linda. Maxine had come over sometimes on Thanksgiving, man, to our house. 
this is after mama died though she'll come over to our house and she had a, a drug addiction she had a heroin problem I remember one time I was in the bathroom I was in the bathroom with Nichelle and Nichelle and I was in the bathroom standing in the bathroom looking at Mary and here she come it was Thanksgiving she come running through the door Move out the way! Move out the way! She pushes out the bathroom door and shoved, up, shoved us out the bathroom and closed the door and slammed it. And she was having one of her fits for her drug. We was like, God damn! You ain't got to throw me out the bathroom. Shut up! Get out the bathroom, move! I was like, oh my God. And she says, well, she's so damn embarrassing. Look at her. She come in there and she just be, oh, my God. We be like, oh, my God. She just so damn embarrassing. You know, having her fit. She needed to put her thing into her. And then she come out. Y'all can go back in now. Oh. We be looking at her like, what? Never mind. She been there about a half an hour. Yeah, I remember one time when one of the sisters, I think it was Gail or Gwen. Anyway, one of the sisters that looked like Diana Ross. And um, I had to use the bathroom. We was living on this apartment building on the street called Ohio Street. And we was living in the apartment building. And I had to, I was sleeping and I woke up and I had to go to the bathroom. I couldn't get into the bathroom. So I was knocking, there was no answer. So I took the little magic key out. And you know what the magic key is. Well, well, the, no, actually, the magic key was on the opposite side. So I pushed it through with something, and then I looked through the hole of the bathroom, and there she was, sitting on the toilet, knocked out, sleeping on the toilet. So I called my grandmother up, or my, was it my auntie? No, it was my Aunt Helen. I called my Aunt Helen up, I said, I can't get into the bathroom. I have to use the bathroom. She said, we're going to the bathroom, baby. I said, I can't because the door is locked and she's sitting on the toilet sleeping. So she came and opened up the door with the magic key. Back then, the magic key was one of those keys that you use to unlock the door. She unlocked the door, and there she was, sleeping on the toilet. And what did she do? She took out her camera and took a picture of her sleeping on the toilet. And that photograph was used in the movie Billy Holiday. That's a real photograph. That ain't no damn stunt picture. That's a real photograph of the real deal. She was knocked out and she was cracking up. She said, I got to get this to Barry. This is so funny. And it was really used in a Billy Holiday movie. That's a real movie. Real photo. Real deal right there. Well, anyway, 
I hope you enjoy my segment of Nicole Renee Ballard, the real daughter of Florence Ballard, telling you my side of I am the real Nicole. Like I said, I was born as Nicole Roslyn Elaine Ballard, and everyone in the family used to call me Roslyn. I later on changed my name to Variety Chenevere, and that's it, folks. So, stay tuned to my statement for more information. I hope you enjoy this blog. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening in on Akashi Media blog. Take care now. Thank you. Baby love, my baby love, I need you, oh how I need you Someday we'll be together, oh yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday. Oh, honey, 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 honey. Love, child. Never meant to be in love, child. Society and love child Different than the rest Love child Always second best Ooh, baby Walk on by Walk on by 